friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's in kinesiology and I'm currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant and a birth fit coach. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness as well as a mama to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, birth fit Santa Cruz regional director, and mama to Evie Wilder. I'm also the owner of Radical Roots. Head over to MyRadicalRoots.com to find recipes, insights, and nutrition consulting. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're so excited to be here for another week. This week, we have a really, really, really special guest for you, but um, we'll get to that in just a minute. I'm really excited to introduce her and for all of the knowledge bombs that she's without a doubt going to drop on us today. Um, But first, I thought we could uh, just touch base. Jess and I, I took a, a little bit off. I talked to you guys last week, um, and now we're back kind of business as usual. So, um, Jess, what is new in your world? New in my world. I'm trying to think. Nothing, just plugging along. Um, we are going out of town this weekend. I don't even know when this is going to air, so I guess it's not totally <laughs> relevant. But we're going to our friend's ranch for 4th of July. Um, and so we get to kind of hang out there, and the kids get to be wild and crazy outside and go swimming and and all that good stuff but as far as just work stuff everything's good just plugging along nothing nothing new and exciting like babies on my end so (laughs) what about you I feel like every every minute is new and exciting (laughs) because she yawns and I'm like (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Um, just you know being with baby, she's amazing. I feel very, very, very blessed. She's most of the time sleeps pretty well. I mean, right now, this is going to air probably in two weeks, but she's, she's itty bitty still. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's all kind of hit or miss, but last night was really wonderful. She slept in long spurts and then fed and then just fell right back to sleep. And then this morning she was awake and alert and just staring at me and I was staring back and it was, it was magical. So <laughs> we were talking, yeah, we were talking earlier, um, prior to the recording about how every time I I don't know if I was talking to Dr. Bullen or, or who, but saying that I just get baby baby fever really bad whenever I see you post something, <laughs> and then I hear my four year old get real sassy pants with me, and I'm like, nope, nope, I'm good. Done. <laughs> I feel like three is a whole new game, uh, and Dr. Erica can talk to us about about even a step up from there. But um, you have four, yes, yes, four, a, and four boys. Four boys. Super awesome. That is so much yeah. fun. Well, <laughs> <It's wild. laughs> well, on that note, now that you've heard her lovely voice, um, let's go ahead and introduce Dr. Erica Bolin. Um, Erica uh, Bolin is a doctor of chiropractic. She works as a chiropractor alongside her husband, Kyle, in West Salem, Wisconsin. She's a mom of four adventure-seeking boys, owner and regional director of BirthFit Wisconsin, a member of BirthFit senior leadership team, a doula, and a core and pelvic floor enthusiast. So you guys can see why we have her on. Mm-hmm. It is her mission to educate and empower women through transformation of current postpartum protocols and bring light to true activation of the core and the pelvic floor. And I will add that Dr. Erico has been a huge light in my life since finding out I was pregnant and even before and just... Uh, 
you know, helping me to stay informed and to like get into this phase of pregnancy and postpartum feeling empowered and confident in my body's abilities. And then also in understanding like intuitive training and, um, feeling very confident that I'll be able to get back to my fitness probably better than before. So I'm very grateful and we're super excited to have her on today. Yeah. And on a personal note for me, this is Jess. Um, she was, I actually, Laura encouraged me to reach out to her about my own, um, diastasis, stuff that I have going on after having two kids. And so far, I think I've been doing it for like three or four weeks and it's been phenomenal. So I can personally vouch for postpartum, um, the work that she is doing is just so amazing and so effective. So I'm so excited to have her on here today. And we'll get into this too, but you're almost a full year postpartum almost and, a full just, year. and just starting working with Erica and mm-hmm. seeing huge improvements. And so we'll get into that, but like it doesn't, the window doesn't have to be like in the first six weeks or, or first, you know, whatever, even in that fourth trimester, which Absolutely. is pretty cool. And I was looking, I mean, everyone that I've talked to so far told me that I basically have to have surgery to have any sort of functionality back. And so <laughs> Erica's face is like, uh-huh. I know. And so obviously I'm excited at the fact that I might be able to avoid that. So, yeah, um, but we'll dive is. in. And that kind of brings us to the topic today. Today, we're really going to be talking about core health, kind of what is the core, because people kind of throw that term around um, a lot, um, why it's important, what you can do to address and prevent issues that may arise um, when we don't have a strong functioning core. We're also going to talk about Dr. Bullen's passion for empowering women to trust themselves. We're all about that on this podcast, but trusting themselves, trusting their bodies, and really just um, she's passionate about making sure that mamas, women know the choices that they have. There's many, many choices out there um, on the path to motherhood and everyone's different. So we're so excited to have her. She pretty much is the embodiment of everything that we are about in this podcast. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> You're a rock we star. And humbled. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that um, both of you are doing well and seeing good results with, with where you are in your motherhood transition. So yeah, and you were also a huge part of me joining, like becoming a birth fit regional director and going to the coach's seminar and you've just been super welcoming and warm since the very beginning. So when I see you, I smile and I'm really grateful to have you in my life. Well, Not thanks. to get right at the start. Can you tell I'm postpartum in a little bit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, I think I live on that, um, on that high. Like there's so many babies and mamas in my life that I'm just constantly there. So, um, yeah, the waterworks happen at any time for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think the first time we met Laura was at the birth fit coach seminar. Yeah, but we had talked on the phone before that in yeah. regards to a client, potential client, yeah. and then uh, just, like, started talking on, you know, social media is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Jess and I met that way, and then, like, we were able to connect beforehand, but then, like, actually meeting you was phenomenal. I'm so yeah, excited yeah. Jess gets to go to that seminar, which, next month? August, end of August, August. in Denver. Oh, cool. Denver. You're going to love it. Yeah. Yeah, you will love it. It's magical. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm transitioning. Go ahead. I'm transitioning to teaching the um, – birth at professional seminar. Okay. So it, it, which I'm super excited for, but of course it's a little bit bittersweet to like yeah. make that move and yeah. 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 Are you, well, you going to be in Denver? Dr. Bullock? No, no, I won't be in Denver. Darn. Um, I'm going to Prague for, um, the DNSD course. So some, the, what I base my core and public floor 
therapy off from. And the course is a week earlier than I thought it was. So I did actually contemplate like, well, maybe I can just stop in Denver and then yeah. come home. Aww. But anyway. Well, I'm sure you're super busy. I'm sure it's hard to coordinate all that, but I'm sure I'll meet you in person one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I've, I've been doing, I did this with Megan um, and Laura. You can come up with some fun questions if you have one that you want to ask Dr. Bolin, but I've been doing just some like fun off topic icebreakers. Um, okay. And I, I pretty much love to hear, to talk about food. Um, if you don't know me you know that that's like <laughs> my life. Um, so I'm always intrigued. My question for you, Dr. Bolin is if you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, it doesn't have to be healthy. Okay. What would it be? <laughs> Oh man. So like my, my heart goes right towards bacon, but I wonder (laughs) if I would eventually get sick of bacon. So I would say honestly eggs because you can just do so much with them. And I, I could eat eggs for every meal. So (laughs) I felt, yeah, I would say eggs. Love eggs. I'm a fan. Maybe fried in bacon grease. There you go. (laughs) That's what I just had. I just, just eating eggs, fried eggs, bacon, and fruit. Oh, uh, Laura, perfection. whenever you post anything on social media about food, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm hungry right now. <laughs> uh, it's the little things. Laura, what would you And eat? I like it because you get me. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, Rusty and I talked about this earlier, like, because some you know, people have, like, I was, we're talking about the AIP diet and stuff mm-hmm. and how some people have to, people are allergic to chocolate and can never have chocolate again or eggs or all these things. And I was like, of everything on that protocol, um, it's autoimmune protocol for those of you who don't know, but mm-hmm. eggs will be the hardest. Yeah. I yeah. love, I love them. I eat them like you, I, I like putting them like, um, soft boiled on salads or fried in the morning or scrambled or sandwiches. Or, I mean, it's really hard to go wrong. So, uh, yeah, eggs, I think I would agree with that. I like it. I like but it. not all eggs are equal. They, honestly, it sounds so snobby, but they have to be pastured. Like I want like the golden yolk. The deep it orange. Tastes, yeah. Yeah. It tastes very different to yeah, me. Absolutely. I like that's it. That's Yeah. I'll keep well, you guys. Well, now said it. What's, you, what's yours? Um, so mine is not healthy at all. I am obsessed with shrimp. So it's like if I could get a plate of fried, like deep fried golden shrimp every day, I'd probably eat that. I've never even had that before. You've never had fried shrimp? No. <laughs> that must be like a Texas thing. That's just the way we eat everything. Is fried. Everything's right. fried. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to a vegetarian endurance runner for like, you know, I went from like high school, early high school where who I, you know, that's not a thing. And then vegetarian endurance athlete where I was like, holy bagels. And then but that's a story for another time. We should probably talk about, um, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now eggs and bacon. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, awesome. anybody else have any more they want to add about the food? No, we're good. We Let's talk about, talk about movement because I could always talk about food and I'm much more interested in talking to Erica about <laughs> health. Okay, cool. So we'll jump in. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty questions, um, can you just tell us a little bit more about how you got here, your education, um, just basically yeah. from start to kind of where you are now? Um, hmm, well, that's a long story. <laughs> you can bullet point um, it if you want. <laughs> so bullet points. Yeah. I would say like the birth world in general, I got involved in because I gave birth when I was 20. So like just turned 20. Um, my now husband and I found out super young, we were going to have 
Taryn. And, um, yeah, it's a, looking back on it, like that birth, that pregnancy did not go as, as I wanted it, but I didn't even know what that meant. Um, I remember he was born and just feeling like, I don't want to do that again. That's not what I want. This is, there's got to be a different way. Um, in the meantime, Kyle started chiropractic school and, um, I remember my mom said to me that I was going to be one of those chiropractor's wives that has babies at home. And I'm like, you're crazy. And so, um, Cannon was born in the hospital naturally. And then the next two were born at home. Um, but so Taryn's birth really started me into the birth world. And then I knew that I wanted to help people naturally. And I got into chiropractic and I loved helping Kyle study for when, when he was in school and just like, okay, I need to do this. Um, who I am as a chiropractor is definitely different than I had imagined going in. If you were to tell me that I would have been working with core and pelvic floor as a chiropractor, I wouldn't have even understood what that meant. Um, but yeah, so in, let's see, it was like two months after I graduated from chiropractic school. Um, I went to Prague. I was supposed to go with a little girl for some rehab there and, she wasn't able to go. I was super bummed. I was just like, my heart was broken about it, but everything happens for a reason. While I was there, I was able to shadow a lot of core and pelvic floor help. And I realized that our country totally misses the boat on postpartum in general. And then when you think about it, like really the whole entire motherhood transition birth is such a business here. And so I'm super passionate and also very thankful for the things that have happened between 10 years ago and today that have brought me here. But, um, several courses in DNS in the U S and, um, Dr. Jerry is amazing individual at Palmer college of chiropractic that runs the rehab departments and, um, would always give me a hard time because I was always pregnant and <laughs> grew a pediatric practice for him at, in the rehab department and then left. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was a lot of guidance for me. And then, um, DNS is dynamic neuromuscular stabilization and the Prague school is in the Czech Republic. And so a lot of what I do is, most of what I do is based off of that, the functional progression that we'll probably get into. Um, I developed after seeing a patient with bowel and bladder prolapse. I had just come home from Prague and we had been doing some of the exercises and I realized like, okay, this is going well. Why don't I just put these into a progression of movements? And yeah, she saw significant improvement and it's just been really cool from there to be able to take the way that we were really truly born to move and teach it to people and let them help themselves really. So yeah, that's who I am and where I am, I guess. That's such an amazing story. So you said you went to Palmer chiropractic college. Awesome. That where in Davenport, in Davenport, Iowa, right? It's in Iowa. Iowa. Okay. Yeah. So we do have (laughs) one child with an Iowa birth certificate. Wow. Living in Iowa, um, which is kind of a joke when you're from Wisconsin, but yeah, <laughs> it's enough. Very cool. So that's awesome. Where did you go to undergrad? Um, I finished my undergrad at Palmer because I was also originally on the path to become a midwife. 
and got into the nursing program and hated it. Mm. Um, I couldn't do it. And I didn't, I think it was just like the very Western medicine model that I couldn't really resonate with day in and day out. And I wanted to help people differently than that. Um, obviously there's a time and a place for it and it's necessary, but, um, but yeah, so, um, I had started and got some generals at a uh, private university and then finished at Palmer. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And so now you do a lot of work with birth fit. So I know we kind of introduced you as, you know, the regional director of birth fit Wisconsin and you're on the senior leadership team. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about what birth fit is? They may not be kind of aware of it or maybe they've heard of it, but they're not quite sure what it is. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes. I would love to. Um, so BirthFit is a movement of empowerment and really through education and helping moms and families throughout the motherhood transition. So whether that's like preconception all the way through postpartum and meeting her wherever she is and helping her grow within the four pit pillars, which are fitness, nutrition, mindset, and chiropractic. Um, and they all are so equally important. So um, helping her grow within those pillars to figure out who she is as a person and who she is or is going to be as a mom and um, what she wants out of the whole experience and helping women to realize that this is an experience that they can advocate for and that they have a large say in. Um, So yeah, a lot of it has to do with education and getting information to them so that they can make decisions that are best for what their birth mission is or their motherhood mission is. So yeah, it's, it's been amazing. It's totally changed the way that I practice, um, as a chiropractor and as a doula, and then obviously as a regional director. Sorry, I'm on mute here. Um, I said I honestly didn't know about BirthFit through my first two pregnancies. I only found it postpartum. I wish I really would have known more about it just because um, if, I mean, Dr. Boland kind of gave you the the overview of it, but I mean, there's so many good resources as far as training through pregnancy, um, preparing the core. I mean, you can get one-on-one consultations with mindset coaches, with you know, providers like Dr. Bullen to work specifically on your core. Um, it's just so amazing. And gosh, I wish I could just like every new mama now, I'm like, you have to visit the, the birth fit website. You have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's I'm amazing. slightly biased, but I, I totally agree. I mean, it's just, and I see it in my patients, doula patients, chiropractic patients. I love talking to women from all over the world on the phone for the consults. Um, in the prenatal online training, postpartum online training, um, there's a regional director locator. So wherever you are in the world, you can go onto the birth fit website and find where the closest regional director is for you. So you can reach out, but, um, and then like the prenatal series is a birth education series that is so much more in depth and inclusive than any hospital um, birth education class. And then the postpartum series is all about 
the slowdown and returning to function, allowing your body to heal from within. Um, it's a lot about mindset and community in that class too, like getting those moms together in that space and just, it's a safe zone. Anybody can share what they need to and just come together and like feel connected in motherhood. That's amazing. I think that's, that's a big thing too, is a lot of people think that birth bed is just fitness. Um, and, and it's not, it's so much more than that. And so, you know, I think that the more we can get that word out about that, that it's mindset and, and also like what you do, I think goes beyond well beyond fitness. And it's like to true core health. And I mean, core and not just like your core, but like the core of your health comes from being able to move functionally and being pain-free and feeling good about your body and where it's going and where it's been and all that. So, um, it's really, I think important to, to, point out that at first I thought potentially that when Lindsay just started it, that maybe this was just a fitness thing. And then uh, the more I dove in, then I was like hook, line and sinker because it's so much more, which is amazing. Yeah. And if you can go into like, I think the birth fit coach seminar and, um, upcoming professional seminar are perfect examples of that because people come into it as you go into anything, you come in with an idea of how you think it's going to go. And when you leave the weekend, it, it's just like mind blowing. <laughs> of the potential and the possibilities. But yeah, I had someone I was actually, tears. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of tears, all the waterworks. Um, I had someone reach out on social media yesterday and asked me, is birth fit just CrossFit for pregnant women? Nah. Basically? And I'm like, no, no. Um, there are CrossFit women that are birth fit. Yeah, for sure. But no, it's so much more than that. Yeah, I think that that can be the the name can be a little misleading and maybe intimidate some people that might be interested in it. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, that it's not you don't have to do CrossFit to be part of the birth fit movement or to even like do the the programming or or any of that stuff. It's, It's totally for anybody who wants to just be empowered. I feel like who wants to go into that phase of life with options and information. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. The next question, you kind of touched on it. So what got you into kind of this, this niche of healthcare? Um, Did you have, so you said you went to Prague and you kind of worked with the, that woman who had the the prolapse. Is that, was that like the main kind of thing that, that really kind of flipped the switch for you or was it anything else? Yeah, it really was. Um, it it really was the main thing that flipped the switch for me. I mean, I know you said that you didn't find birth fit until postpartum. It's like the same for me. I had three kids before I realized, I mean, so people ask me like, Oh, did you heal your diastasis after your first baby? I have no idea because I didn't even know what that was. So, um, yeah, I think going there just totally opened my eyes to we're training so much for aesthetics here and like the way that we look more than the way that we move and it's not sustainable long-term. So once I was able to like see that and process that and then come back and directly have patients that could benefit from it, it it's been really exciting and fulfilling to have women allow me into their lives in that way. That's so cool. I love it. I just makes me giddy inside. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, we're such nerds, but it's so awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, um, I'll kind of leave the questions while Laura's getting, uh, situated over there with baby girl. So, um, yeah. let's just get into the meat of it. So can okay. I tell me what is the core? I know we tossed that, that concept around and 
kind of confusing. People think, oh, I do crunches. Like I've got a strong core. I got a yeah. six pack, but it's not that, yeah. is it? Not at all. <laughs> uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> so oh, it looks good. Like, okay. I, I remember being at a seminar once like, yeah, six pack. It looks really good. Totally dysfunctional, which across the board is mostly true, but your core really is, um, actually your true core anatomical core, like base of your neck to your pelvic floor. But when I talk about core or training purposes and healing, um, we talk about diaphragm to pelvic floor and diaphragm, your diaphragm is absolutely everything. I mean, it just is everything. Like it's this amazing muscle within your body that connects you to your breath. It allows for stability, for mobility, like through posture. When you breathe, if you use your diaphragm to breathe, your pelvic floor automatically works in synchronization with your diaphragm. So just through simply activating that breath, you can strengthen pelvic floor. Um, so yeah, it's like if you think of your core as a canister, or I say a can of LaCroix, because I love LaCroix, <laughs> um, diaphragm is the top and pelvic floor is the bottom. And then your all of your abdominal muscles, not just rectus abdominis, but all of your abdominal muscles and your lumbar spine, um, those muscles are like the cylindrical portion of the canister. And we want to build what's called intra-abdominal pressure. So if you think about like that pressurized can, that is much more stable than a can that has one side indented like you do when you do repetitive sit-ups or crunches over and over again. So, Yeah, core um, really from diaphragm to pelvic floor and every single movement that we make goes through our core. So we have upper day, we have lower day. Awesome bonus is that every day is core day. Um, whether you're just sitting or whether you're deadlifting or running or whatever, you have to use your core. So, um, training for function and efficiently is going to set you up for long-term su- success. Absolutely. That's so funny. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I, athletic trainer by education and then, um, worked in the clinic, um, with, with patients who needed functional rehab. And so they would come in for shoulder pain, for instance, or, you know, upper neck pain. And I'm teaching them, you know, I'm doing, we're doing like dead bugs or, or, you know, I'm working on their core and they're like, why are we doing this? My, I'm here for my shoulder. I'm like, trust me, it's all related. You have to have a stable base you know, or you're going to have dysfunction in the extremities. And so it's just crazy because people don't really understand that concept, which I'm, I'm really glad you yeah. touched on that. Yeah. I mean, people all the time, it's every single patient I work with on their breath. And sometimes you get that look of like, I've got back pain. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Let me tell you why. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I see it every day. That's awesome. And you kind of touched on why it's important. I mean, it's basically, like you said, it's it's kind of the basis of everything. Uh, Do you have any more to kind of add to that or, you know? Well, I think, so if we can take it like way back, really realistically, and think about where we are as a society, social media, everything allows us to be so connected, yet we're so disconnected from our own intuition as a whole, some of us are better than others, but you know, like we're so disconnected from um, like the way we were born to move. So when a baby is born, 
you see this now, Laura, like nobody teaches the baby to roll over, to sit up, to crawl, to walk. And nobody should teach the baby to do those things. We should allow that process to happen on its own. Um, your body is amazing. Like this doesn't just happen. This is, this happens in sequence for a reason. And so I think to, I guess, to just touch on the fact that Sometimes it does take peeling back the layers and starting to move like you were born to move and then going from there. We have my husband especially, but um, even with the moms that I work with, like we have some powerful athletes in here that can move a lot of weight, but to put them through the functional progression or try to have them connect to their breath, then it's difficult. It's, it's sometimes it's just lack of body awareness a little bit, but um once you can reconnect that, then they see gains in their lift or, you know, less pain or what have you. Um, so it's really simple. Like it's really just simply returning to the way that we were born to move. And if you can wrap your head around that, it, it will help you make more sense of it and realize how simple, but consistency is key. And then the other thing that I think is like, this is a super nerdy portion as well, but, um, when I was doing some research, I discovered that the diaphragm develop, starts to develop at six weeks in utero. Most moms haven't even taken a pro- positive pregnancy test at that time, and the diaphragm's already starting to develop. And I get goosebumps when I talk about it because I'm such a nerd about it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, I love it. But I mean, like, and when you think about what helps you to relax or what helps you with your mindset is your breath, mm-hmm. is your diaphragm. And then what is your basis for stability is your breath, is your diaphragm. So when I say the diaphragm is everything, like it really is everything. So yeah. I absolutely love it when we see, like when you see a little kid, like you showed the videos and the pictures of your son um, crawling and sitting up and doing all those things totally on their own without any assistance. And we can get into that too, of like the bumbo seats and the high chairs and the walkers and the bouncers and all that. Um, so that's been really huge for me to see and witness and realize like, Hey, I have, I was born with hernias. They never, they never uh, went away. And so I wonder if I had, and I was, I know I was in a swing all the time. I was on in like one of those chairs that I could walk around. And so we talk, you talk about like, um, developing leg strength before you've developed core strength and the damage that, that could potentially do. Um, so I think one of the best ways for people to get that is to see like a video or watch a baby through the progressions from not being able to sit to being able to sit up, to being able to squat, to being able to like push themselves like you, like you would say up onto their sides and then to be able to get up and then walk without any assistance. And that's what we should all be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like they do it. And that's when you say back to, back to, um, the basics, it's like literally back to when babies do it, yeah. we should be able to maintain that. I have a question yeah. for you. I, this is kind of going off that tangent, but like, I was always told, like, everyone's always like, oh, when are they going to walk? When is, when are the babies going to walk? Like, they want early walkers, right? But, like, I, being in the world that I'm in, everyone's always like, the longer they can crawl, the better. I guess that cross-crawl pattern and development of the core in that in those actions kind of sets them up more for more long-term success. Do you, is that, that's kind of off on a different subject, but is that true? <laughs> Amen. And it's not a different subject at all. It's like totally related. Um, yeah. One of the best exercises you can do in pregnancy is crawling. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, yeah, for sure. And it just, it, I never crawled. 
Wow. Yeah, as a baby. And so I wonder if that played into it too. And I've had back pain issues my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I think about all this, like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you could have done yeah. about at the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, there's a, that is a whole nother like two hour conversation, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that, um, after our second son, we got rid of everything, like the walker or not the walker, but, um, exercise mm-hmm. and the swing and the bouncy seat. And like, no, they just need to be on the floor and just like, as they are motivated by their environment and like that, that grounding is what helps them to develop stability in their shoulder, develop stability in their hips. Like all of that is on purpose. It's so amazing. It's like mind blowing. It's crazy. And I saw another thing on some sort of social media and it's like, they were talking about babies learning how to walk and, you know, you see them trying to walk, they stand up, they fall down and you think like, they're just, they're failing, right? Like they're not getting it, but it's like every time they try and they fall, they're learning like what works and what doesn't work. And it's just like so fascinating to me. It's just, it's learning without all the like mental, uh, what's the word? Like evaluation of it it's like okay like it's just intuitive you know they don't know how to judge like they don't judge themselves Mm -hmm. that is that is a learned thing to judge to judge their movement or judge their looks or what have you like that's that's totally learned it's beautiful you look at a one-year-old baby or 14 month old baby that's just learning how to walk and never do you see them with a flat belly they let their belly relax and they walk around with their cute little buddha bellies and it's totally society that destroys that right they're not sucking it in exactly exactly oh that's beautiful i love that um off on a little bit of tangent there but i think that's valuable information Uh, and to bring it all back um doing this stuff all throughout my pregnancy and a little bit beforehand my back felt feels better now and during pregnancy than it kind of honestly has in years, um, no pain, no discomfort. I felt strong. I PR'd my deadlift on accident. Like it, you know, and I think the second trimester and I never felt better. And so I'm so excited that I can, I can continue doing this and people might look at the movements and think, Hey, those are relatively basic, but they're, if you do them right, they're really hard and yeah. insanely effective. Right. And we'll link to videos of those uh, in the show notes as well. For sure. And I was just thinking I should send you, um, I have some videos of Macklin if you want that, that you could link and like, I I could put them, then people could watch, watch that movement that you were talking about. But I think it's also key, Laura, like what you just mentioned, everything that you were doing during pregnancy, it's so important to train for birth, the biggest athletic event of your life, and then slow down and allow your body to heal in the postpartum Mm -hmm. rather than drive yourself into the ground. So that that's key. It's really important in core health as well. Yeah. So that kind of leads to the next question of what are the most common issues you see for mama's postpartum? Um, so I would say most commonly now what I'm starting to see before it was more like diastasis issues. There's a lot of, which still happens. Um, but most of the time when people come to me for the diastasis, it's more for aesthetics. Like they don't like the way that it looks and, um, they don't want the, they call mommy tummy, which I hate that word, but, um, they don't want that anymore. And then we work on the educational piece of like, that's just a symptom telling us that, Hey, we need to change how you're moving. And there's, there's some room for improvement in how you're moving. So let's assess this. And then, um, I mean, more and more, my patients are more comfortable coming to me specifically for incontinence issues or what have you prolapse. Um, 
but before it was almost like I had to kind of pull it out of people. You mm-hmm. would, I would ask them if they had any incontinence, no, any pain during intercourse, no. And then like, okay, nothing when you're running or jumping. Well, after like however many double unders I pee or in the bottom of my squat I pee, but that's only in the bottom of my squat. Minimizing um, it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's, it's, it's not their fault. It's just misinformation and lack of education because we have, I call it a silent epidemic. It's a silent epidemic of women that have just owned for dysfunction and incontinence issues and pain and all of this because there's, they're not being educated on the fact that they can actually improve this. It's not something that you have to live with. Um, When I have 60 year old patients in here that can't drive across the state because they have to stop so often to go to the bathroom like that is disheartening and it's affecting their quality of life and it doesn't need to be that way Um, but we have a lot of catching up to do on educating people even like younger ages even during pregnancy before pregnancy and let's move this way so that then in the postpartum period you're already set up for that success absolutely Um, that's so crazy. Yeah. Like everything you're saying is just really like on a personal level. I'm just relating to so much. My first kiddo, um, it was a long labor and he was, um, posterior and I pushed for three hours and it, we were right at the point where they were about to like say, okay, that's enough. We're going to do a C-section by stubborn me. I was like, no, like we're doing this. Um, and so all the issues that you're talking about, I had after my first um, delivery, you know, the incontinence, I couldn't even like really go for a walk because it was like, okay, that's uh, like peeing myself a little bit. Um, and then also, I mean, just everything you're talking about. And I just thought, well, I I guess this is my life after pregnant or after postpartum. Um, and I just wish someone would have told me like, that's not normal. Even like my, my primary care doctor is like, Oh, it'll get better. Um, you know, that happens to everybody. But it's like, okay, but what do I do? Like, I want to work out. Like, I want to be active. And it's just, ugh, it just makes me so sad. There's a big difference between common and normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what's frustrating. <laughs> Super common, not normal. Yeah, not- and I would like to, like, take a little bit of pressure off of the midwives and OBs because realistically, it's like the system in general is broken because mm-hmm. they're not trained for that. And when you think about it within the hospital system, they don't have time. So um, there needs to be a standard of care, which is like my life mission, but there needs to be a standard of care postpartum that an evaluation is being done for movement, for diastasis, for pelvic floor issues, um, and where to go from there instead of just like, oh, you're not bleeding and you're not infected. So good. You can have sex and you can exercise again. Like, what is that? That's not helpful. Go do sit-ups. That's what they tell you, too. <laughs> exactly. Those are diastasis with sit-ups. And, and so um, it isn't necessarily their responsibility to learn all of the movements and, and things like that. Like, yeah, I think taking ownership of knowing what is going on with your patient is important. But just building the referral is so mm-hmm. much more important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with you, Jess. I, it was the same down to, like, okay, well we'll use the vacuum one more time. And then we have to do a C-section with our oldest. And I don't, I was, I just turned 20. I had no idea, but something within me was like, hell no. Yeah. I'm not having a C-section. I'm going to push this baby with all of my might. And then, yeah, I mean, coached pushing also has an effect on your pelvic floor. So, yeah, yeah that's crazy. 
Oh, yeah. And I feel like I'm so glad you're on here and I'm so glad that you're sharing a little bit of your story. And then, you know, I haven't shared my birth stories either, but through, I'm sure the podcast people will, will hear more about it. But it's like, I know there are probably so many women out there that have a similar experience and I'm glad that we're talking about it because I feel like they just don't yeah. know that other people experience that. And it's like you said, it's, it's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. So yeah. I think it's so important. Um, and it shouldn't be like a badge of honor. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, I yeah. don't judge women obviously who have that, who, who pee their pants or even who wear it as a badge of honor. But I think it's more of a societal shift and like a mindset shift that we have to have on a bigger level. Um, because it's a sign of things like peeing your pants, not the end of the world, really. It happens, whatever. I'm, I'm glad that women can talk about it and not be ashamed, <laughs> but, um, but I think that it's, it's obviously a sign of deeper issues going on. Yeah. And so that's the real issue. It's not the, the yeah. pee and pants. It's the, it's the other things that are going on. Right. Yeah. Far more concerning. Yeah. yeah for sure. That's just a sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so within that, what would you see? And I know a lot of these questions we're kind of answering on the fly here, but most common yeah. causes for pelvic floor issues. So whether that was during pregnancy or during delivery or, you know, just in general, what, what do you most often see? I most often relate it back to just something that is not efficient in the movement pattern. And it's really hard for me, honestly, to pinpoint like one thing. Um, I do see a lot of issues postpartum if there was inactivity during pregnancy um, or sedentary lifestyle during pregnancy actually uh, usually causes more issues. But I mean, like we talked about earlier, um, all of this starts to develop when we were born. So sometimes I have a patient that comes into me for something postpartum and then we peel back the layers to, I never crawled. So now we're peeling it back that far and working on it. And it doesn't take 25 years to, to get better or to improve, but just consistency. Um, but yeah, it always, it always relates back to the movement pattern unless there was like a major trauma. Um, a lot of times, especially recently, the prolapse cases that I've seen have been either a fast and furious birth that was like so quick that, um, there wasn't much control or, um, coach pushing like prolonged coach pushing and that that causes issues in and of itself as well so um still there's definitely still plenty that you can do but it's it's hard to just pinpoint one or even a few main causes since everyone is so different and honestly like if it was cookie cutter then we would maybe have found the exact answer for it but there's a lot of variation that comes into the office, but we can always relate it back to the way that they're moving and help that way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. I always wonder for me having a a posterior first delivery, like that, that urge to push that people would talk about, you know, you'll know when you're ready because you'll feel this like overwhelming urge to push that you can't control. I had that for hours and so, you know, I'm honestly surprised I don't, I didn't have any prolapsed um, issues that I know of, um, yeah. but like fighting that like instinctual, just like you, the urge to push that you cannot control for hours and hours was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Cause they're like, you can't push. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't push. Like I, yeah. I can't control this. And God, so, yeah. that's mind boggling considering yeah. 
having just gone through that, I can't imagine if you have to push and not being able to push. Right. But with my second, it was like very distinct. It was like, she is down there. It's time to push. I feel it, you know, right before she's ready to come out, like two totally different things. But for me, I, I wonder if that was part of my issues. And if, if that's for posterior babies, there's a whole nother set of things going on there too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the biggest thing to take away from like this question or this, this portion of this is like, it doesn't truly matter exactly. Um, like when you come in the door, it doesn't truly matter exactly why you have what you have going on at that moment. We have to figure out like why it's there and know that it, there's always, always room for help. It's never too late. Like I said, I have 60 year old patients that come in and, and are having incontinence issues and they still see improvement. Does it take a little bit longer than someone that comes in at six weeks postpartum? Most often it depends on who's more consistent and who has more body awareness. But, um, with any situation, there's always room for improvement. And even if it does end up being a case that is surgical, um, which I have, I have yet to see a case that has needed to go surgical. Um, even if it is, I would still have you doing the same things because you still need to move well in recovery. So your prehab and rehab would still be the same because if a surgery is done and the movement pattern is never addressed, then it's, it's not going to last either. Absolutely. Gosh, she's dropping so much knowledge right now. It's like crazy. Um, I expected nothing else. (laughs) I know. It's so fascinating. Uh, Laura, do you want to take the next one about DRA? Yeah. So I guess kind of along the same lines, we talked about common causes for pelvic floor, but how about common causes for DRA um, during the postpartum? Same. So um, this is a good question though, because so our abdomen expands during pregnancy, right? And your rectus, the muscle that runs like right down the front from sternum, the pubic symphysis, is connected in the middle by like fascia or a a sheath. So that's where it's easiest to give. That tissue is easiest to give. Um, So obviously when we know with tissue repair, nutrition is huge and important. But to remember that a diastasis during pregnancy um, is pretty common, especially as your body needs that area to expand. And it's not the same as you would maybe see a diastasis, like a true rip or tear in that sheath. Um, that's totally different and really rare to see. But um, most would that of the be time, hernia if there's an actual tear, or there could be a hernia, but okay. it's not it's not one and of the same. But you can you can get a hernia. You can also have a hernia without a tear. Okay. Um, just like in the connective tissue. But I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing is like, this also goes back to movement pattern and like babies are born with a diastasis and when they start to be able to roll is about when you see that diastasis close, um, because they're gaining more core function. A lot of times women will have a diastasis beforehand and not really because of something within their movement patterns or some issues going on, um, and not really realize it until pregnancy. And then all of a sudden you're doing certain movements, especially if you're physically active, you're doing certain movements and your belly looks like a tent and it's kind of like, what the hell is that? Um, that means you should modify that movement and yeah, um, build more with stability and strength in a more functional position for you at that time. So like some of the first things to change 
during pregnancy would be definitely avoiding sit-ups, definitely avoiding crunches, um, toes to bar, kipping pull-ups, things like that. And then anything that is making any symptom that you're having worse to reach out and we can modify or adjust. <laughs> I had the strength to do pull-ups, um, well into second trimester, but I noticed that even with a strict, like totally engaged everything, uh, I would get the bridging trying to do one. And so I stopped and just did ring rows and I, you know, cause you have to kind of get hollow to, to do a pull-up. So it's one of the things where I was like, all right, done. And, yeah. uh, it just, it, it, there was no question for me, knowing especially that I had some issues ahead of time. Um, so I'm so glad that I learned all this before because I could, I can imagine, like, especially women who have strength to continue to do things, they don't have any idea what that bridging means. Maybe they think it's normal, and then they're doing a lot of damage instead of good when they think they're, like, maintaining strength and fitness throughout. <laughs> that was me. I'm pointing to myself. You guys can't <laughs> see it. But my first pregnancy is super active, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but did CrossFit all the way up to, like, I mean, the very end. I didn't know anything. I saw, I was doing pull-ups. I saw the, I called it my alien. And I was just like, well, that's, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's fine. I'm going to keep doing this because I feel good. And it's like, I am just so excited for this, this episode to go live because it, I feel like people just don't know. Even if you're a super active person and you're quote unquote fit, um, you may not know the, the potential damage that you are doing with certain movements, which is huge. Yeah. And I think like, like Laura said, um, you know, her seeing it and being like, okay, I'm done with that for now, like respecting your body and respecting where you are with it and, and accepting that and allowing yourself to be where you are and heal when you need to, and not being fearful for, I mean, I think like the more that we educate people about this, sometimes we get this like uh, return of, oh my gosh, I'm scared to do whatever, whatever. It's like, it's okay. Just try it and see how your symptoms are. There's certain movements, like I just said, that we know to avoid, but other than that, listen to your body. And it's awesome to do this before labor because you definitely need to listen to your body and connect with your body in labor. So it's just practice. Yeah. Awesome. So are there things on that token, like, are there things that mamas can do, you know, during pregnancy to prepare their core for a more successful, I guess, postpartum rehabilitation yeah. experience? Definitely. Um, I would highly recommend the functional progression and I think like treat it as your nutrition of movement Like you need protein, you need fat, you need carbs each day. You need the from it. Um, so for sure the functional progression that's going to help you through pregnancy with um, different pain or instabilities that occur and then help, help you with labor, but then also for that postpartum period. And you can just continue, continue through with it. But also um, what I would say huge, like we talked about the diaphragm is breath, definitely connecting to your breath. And that will help you with your mindset piece as well. If I could give you one tip as far as like something to practice each day, it would be the functional progression and 10 minutes of breath work every single day. Mm-hmm. at a minimum. Um, don't beat yourself up if you miss a day, obviously, but I think even after a week, you will, you'll see the difference that that makes. And the diaphragm will also be being worked during functional progression. So it's a win-win. That's awesome. Such good. And I can personally vouch for that being true. So um, I love that. I love that. And I find it amazing how just uh, within, you know, like a little over a week postpartum, 
the breath work, just laying on my back and, and doing the, the diaphragmatic breath and, and working through that feels so good. I, I picture in my mind, like all my organs going back where they belong <laughs> with each breath, that's but like awesome. I'll, I'll get like a weird cramp thing or something. And then I'm like, that's funky. And I'll just go lay down and breathe about big, like the belly breaths. And it feels so good. And I, I, I'll get up and I'm like, all right, ready to go. And it, <laughs> it gets my healthy fall asleep. It like gets my mind right. It's amazing. I feel like there's this whole synthesis of the whole body. And when you're <gasps> breathing properly, it's like, everything just feels good. Your mind as well. Oh, I, yeah, that, exactly that. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Pretty awesome. It's powerful stuff. I keep saying that's amazing, but like, I say that after every like word she says, like, <laughs> I can't believe this. It's so mind blowing, but it's really not like it's, it's intuitive. No, exactly. But, it's really not. Yeah. It's really not mind blowing. But it, but the problem but it is, is so much information out there. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we're told so many things and it's like, then you come across something that you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing because it actually makes sense with my intuition mm-hmm. versus yes. like, there's so much out there that kind of fights that it's nice to have something where you listen or, and you see it and you're like, Oh, my body feels good. Even just like taking that information. In. Yeah. And that just opens up a whole nother can of worms about how we're constantly told not to listen to our body, whether that's with like hunger cues, like if your body's telling you to eat and you're like, no, shut up. Like we're not going to eat like whatever. It's just like, Again, a whole nother probably two hour conversation that we could have mm-hmm. about that disconnect that people and especially women, I feel like just don't have with their bodies in general. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah and the food to like, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just say it sends from food all the way to pushing mm-hmm, where yes. it's like, we're told don't listen, listen to me, not your own body. And that's nuts. So yeah. yeah anyway. And when did that start? Like what? I mean, I know relatively when it started, but like why other <laughs> yeah. than a business. Why? Yeah. We're the only mammals that fear, fear birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was crazy and, going into labor. It was like, I had kind of, I had little fears throughout just like, is she okay? Is she okay? That was always my concern. The second I went into labor, it was like, I got this. Something like so primally came over me that was like, I had no longer had any fear. I just, it was like this amazing kind of rush of like, I trust this process. And, um, and I feel like that's because it did so much preparation beforehand with birth fit and with mind mindset and like all of it. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Breathe. And probably because I labored at home. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> too, that helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have a, quite a few more questions and we might kind of run. They're so important. Gosh. Um, <laughs> We might run a little bit more quickly through them because I just feel like I, I want people to know this information, but, um, we, I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts that we've done so far, Dr. Bullen, but we always go into it thinking like, we're not going to have anything to talk about. And we end up going mm-hmm. well over an hour every single time. I knew this one was, I knew this one was going to go over. Definitely. <laughs> I know, that and has definitely. nothing to do with the fact that I talk a lot though. Like I hardly talk. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> That's why we have a podcast. Cause we like to talk, you know, right. <laughs> so, um, with the DRA, you know, obviously you said there's a lot of things you can do postpartum to, 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 correct that or to help repair that without surgery. But are there certain cases that, you know, would be a surgical candidate for specifically for the diastasis? Um, once I think once it starts to really affect quality of life and function, um, if it's just aesthetics, then we can have that discussion of like, okay, you know, what's going on? Um, can we improve this at all? Like if it just is aesthetics, then there should be improvement that happens with it. Um, usually if it's, a really significant diastasis to the point that they would need a surgery. They're having multiple other issues as well. 
Um, and it, I can't, I can't tell you for certain, like, Oh, if you have more than four finger width diastasis, you're going to need surgery. Like that's just not true. It's totally independent. Um, but more usually it comes hand in hand with like severe incontinence that isn't resolving or severe pain that isn't resolving. And if within my office, if I don't see significant improvement within like four to six visits, depending on how consistent they are outside of the office, then we're um, looking at what else is going on. But I do work closely with a pelvic floor PT that does internal assessment as well. So um, yeah, I'm sorry that I can't give you a more specific answer for that, but it's more um, when it would start to significantly affect function and there has been a quality trial of conservative care. So movement pattern changes and like getting the help that way before you would do surgery at all. Because like I said, like surgery is kind of a mask for a lot of things and we would still need to address those patterns anyway. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. It's perfect. It's, I, I think a lot of times people just want like, tell me yes or no quick fix thing. But I think what you're saying is really like, it's, it's holistic. It's like, we got to look at the big picture here. Like what caused it? What other issues are you having? There's no like one size fits all answer, which is perfect. Um, and so, then, yeah. Um, two, I was also going to say that like, and I, I think we were maybe going to discuss this. So I'll just kind of talk about it a little bit, but, um, a lot of women want to know like, well, do I have one? And after they listen to a podcast like this, then they're, they automatically want to feel and do I have them or whatever. And you can check at home and we have birth fit. We have videos on the birth fit website, but, um, if you just lay down with your back flat on the floor, knees bent, feet on the floor and do kind of a mini crunch and feel from sternum to pubic symphysis. If you have any gapping in your rectus abdominis or any tenting, whether you're prenatal or postpartum, um, no matter where you are, you can kind of check for that on your own. But remember that it is soft tissue. So this isn't something that you need to check every single day and be digging around at. Um, you can aggravate the tissue that way as well. And so remember that the goal is more for function than it is um, than it is for like the aesthetics of the diastasis. Once we address the movement and the function, then usually that the diastasis approximate or comes together. And how I measure it or the severity of it is like finger widths. So remember that that's a little bit subjective as well, because obviously my fingers are a different size than another practitioner. So, um, but it's cool once you go into the functional progression, especially part two, when you use the kick through, you can usually feel it come together. And then, you know, like, this is helping, this is good. It's working my pelvic floor. It's working my core, my diaphragm. And as a bonus, it's bringing my diastasis together. That's awesome. Okay. (laughs) How many times am I going to say that's awesome? This podcast, I want to go back and (laughs) count. Um, So for mamas who are in the postpartum phase, how soon can they start kind of that timeline timeline for the healing repair process? Like, is there, do they have to wait or, you know, what, what do you suggest? Um, depends. I know you guys probably love that hearing that answer, but, um, for the first two weeks, totally lay with your baby, do your belly breath, breathe. Like that is active. That is as much as you need to be activating your core right now. It's far more important for you to be, um, co-regulating with your baby and learning each other and your whole new system. Um, so just breath. And obviously we talked about that before. That's going to help diaphragm. That's going to help pelvic floor. 
And then beyond that, um, simply working on posture, um, working on baby wearing and walking around with baby and because that is an added weight that's going to help your core. And then like six weeks, we recommend getting into the postpartum series. Um, and even within the series, sometimes we have to do some modifications or meet people where they are with that, but, um, really enjoy the slowdown. There's no other time like this to recalibrate the system. So, um, once baby is born, you have to remember that there was a ton of energy and life inside of your core. And now that's external. So we come like part of this is just our change in posture and weight, but we come a little bit like into this forward posture. Part of it is protective because we want to protect that sacred space. So using your hands to wake up your core, like just touching your belly, using that breath to expand, whether you had a vaginal birth or a C-section because your breath is going to help mobilize scar tissue if it was a C-section. Um, so yeah, the first couple of weeks is just breath and then listening to your body and going forward from there. And it's never too late ever to get help or to begin, to begin with this. Um, I had three kids before I started really working functionally with, with my core. And, um, I see women all the time that I've had women five years in postpartum in my in my series and, um, as early as two weeks. So I would say it doesn't really matter where you are. It's just more like, what are you willing to deal with? Um, what symptoms are you willing to accept or what do you want to change? Like be an advocate for yourself and change these because you can. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, I'm, I'm loving these two weeks. So I think, I think, you know, and I was actually kind of concerned about that coming into it. Like, um, I've always been really active. I don't even like to go a day without at least a walk. Um, if I have to, you know, travel all day, I'll, I'll like walk the airports or, you know what I mean? But, um, I'm soaking in every minute and it feels good. And my body feels good. The, my, you know, your body knows what it's doing. My belly is shrinking really fast. The uterus knows what it's doing. I'm feeling myself really well. And, and, um, I would say to moms, like, this is a maybe once, twice, three, four time in a lifetime experience where you get to just like chill out for two weeks and get to know this human life that you grew. And, um, so if there's anything I can recommend right now, like I can't recommend anything more being in it right now. It's so real and raw. Just enjoy it. Enjoy every minute because it's really, really amazing. Give me goosebumps just to hear you talk about it. I know. Yeah. You can always add more activity. You can't like go back and get those two weeks back. Trust me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. Yes. I guilty as well. Um, gosh, you're answering a lot of the questions too with some of your answers, but you know, and this is kind of from a personal aspect, but, um, do you think that DRAs get worse with subsequent pregnancies? Um, um what are your thoughts? If you don't, I think they have the potential to, if you don't do anything about it in between, like if you don't um, do anything about it. And I don't mean that like, Oh, I hope you know whether you had one the first time first pregnancy or not. It just, it does have the potential to get worse, but there's also still the potential there for healing. So, um, yeah, if you, I mean, if babies are born really close together, then sometimes there's not really much you can do whether you choose to, or don't choose to, and get a surprise, um, pregnancy, then, you know, sometimes that, that just happens, but it can get worse. And it also can still be helped. Oh, 
I was on. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's good to know. But even through pregnancy, like if, you know, you can still be doing the functional progressions, like to, to improve, like say you did get pregnant quickly after the first, your first birth, like you can still be doing stuff to kind of ease that, I guess, flow towards like uh, damage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So when we talk about it, like at the coaches seminar, we talk about like, you can, you have a choice on how you want to train if you want to train for function or dysfunction. So, um, that it's totally a choice. So yeah, it's, it's never too late to start even in the middle of pregnancy. I have a lot of pregnant moms that come in with pain and then we start the functional progression then. So yeah, it, um, I will touch on this though. This is pretty huge. I guess I shouldn't say touch on it, but, um, recently Lindsay Matthews, um, put together, um, a presentation, and when you think about it, the one thing that unites all of us is our movement. So this is why this is so important. It doesn't matter if you're prenatal or postpartum or male or in the United States or in Europe, we were all born to move the same way, which is why this is so powerful. It is powerful. That's crazy. Um, totally, totally spot on there. Um, especially women. It's so cool. You know, you, now that I've done this and now I look at other women and like, I can't look at, especially knowing that they have kids, like I can't look at them the same. (laughs) It's like this really empowering, like uniting force of that. We've all been through this and we all have this capacity. And, um, and I just want to, now I'm like extra excited to get the information out to them because all those issues that we're talking about, no, we don't have to deal with it. We might for a little bit, but we can, we can get past it and we can feel good again. And so, um, it's like even more of a, of a united front for us mamas. And it's like, no, let's, let's, let's take care of this. Let's take care of our bodies and by taking care of ourselves first in this regard, then we can better take care of our little ones too. Yeah. And looking at it more as like, this is my body telling me something. This is my body giving me feedback that I need to change something rather than like dealing with it or accepting it. It's just looking at it as, okay, this is feedback and something has to change. Yeah. And not just adding Kegels. Absolutely. Kegels. Kegels. (laughs) I hope we get to that question. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, So on that note, is there a scale for severity for diastasis? Like I know you you mentioned briefly like four finger width, like is, you know, can you describe that a little bit more? Um, So I would say like four plus finger width is more on the severe and then anything under two in like textbook terms is considered normal. Um, so sometimes that's reassuring for moms, but I'm far more concerned again with like what's going on with the movement Mm -hmm. than where the diastasis is and in other symptoms as well, because a lot of times you see more than just the diastasis happening. Um, but yeah, so, um, that's kind of, I guess a standard scale, but I haven't, to be totally honest with you, I should look up where that came from, like why that is the way it is here, because I doubt whether it's that way everywhere. And if it's just an arbitrary number that they decided, whoever they is decided <laughs> is okay or not. Okay. But. Yeah. That's super interesting. I, and we're going to, we're going to link a lot of the information that you're providing in the show notes. If we can find some, some articles or, you know, websites that really touch on that somewhere too. So we can do a little bit of digging as well. We're almost at the end. So speaking of Kegels, I know that's like, that's all my, my midwife told me to work on like 
during pregnancy. Um, I know that's kind of like a buzzword and people tell you to do that all the mm-hmm. time. What are your thoughts on, on Kegels? And in that term, I know vaginal weights is also a thing. Um, you know, it is. Give, <laughs> give us your thoughts. Okay. So here's the deal. So, um, we, again, back to the way that we were born to move, but you shouldn't have to actively think about your pelvic floor in order for your pelvic floor to work, right? Like you don't get up from the chair and you walk out to the car and I'm just going to use my key or my pelvic floor and Kegel my way through this to get me there. It should just happen. Um, certain things we get disconnected or there's a trauma or birth or whatever happens. And then maybe there's a change in our pelvic floor and we have room for improvement. Okay. Totally fine. But that, what happens within the pelvic floor, you can have too much tone or you can have too little tone or you can have both at one time and different muscles are on different sides. So just recommending Kegels across the board is um, really reckless, I guess is a good word to say, because you could be causing more harm than good and it's not we're not training our body to function like we should, so it's not sustainable long term. If it were sustainable long-term and you kept doing Kegels, eventually you would end up with too much tone in your pelvic floor. So is it important that those muscles can fire? Yes. In the pelvic floor PT that I work with, her and I have had several discussions about this, and that's kind of like where we saw agreement on the whole Kegel thing is within her office. She needs to be able to see that the muscles are even working, like that the pelvic floor can even activate. But to send you home with... 10 Kegels at each stoplight with however many second holds, it's, it's not how we were born to move. So we can um, train our core functionally through movements that are going to simultaneously stabilize our pelvic floor. Because some people need strength and some people need relaxation. Boom. Imagine that. It's individualized. <laughs> Imagine that. It depends. <laughs> we train based on our body's needs. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love that answer. And so to round it out, I guess, just kind of take, take home from everything that we've talked about, you know, if someone doesn't address the DRA or their other core, quote unquote, pelvic floor issues, how can that complicate things moving forward, whether that's just basic movement, um, the potential for injury, return to fitness, or just a anything. So your body is super smart. It's going to get you from point A to point B, no matter whether you're training with function or dysfunction. Um, and so again, that's definitely a choice, but, um, if you continue to train with dysfunction, eventually you're going to see it show up somewhere. Maybe it's like we talked about a long time ago, (laughs) maybe it's your shoulder or maybe it's a headache or maybe it's your pelvic floor and incontinence. Um, but eventually it will show up in your somewhere and manifest somewhere within your body. So it's, it is extremely important. And I think it's one of the most difficult, one of the more difficult aspects of it. People want quick results like right now, and they want to feel right now that it's making a difference. And it takes dedication and consistency. Um, but the time is going to pass anyway. So if you choose to train with function, then you're going to likely become stronger, faster, but more importantly, more safely and set, set yourself up for stability rather than injury. Yeah, that's so true. I will say like from a personal standpoint, 
I, before I contacted you, I was looking, I kind of resolved myself to the fact that I was going to have surgery because I told myself, I tried all these different things before. Like, you know, there's a lot of programs out there like the Mutu system. And, you know, I said, I did all that and it didn't work for me. So my, my DRA is so severe that I need surgery. When reality, I didn't ever stick with anything long enough to actually see results. And that's being like brutally honest with myself. It's like, I did it for like a couple days, weeks, maybe. And then when I didn't see the results that I wanted, I kind of didn't take responsibility for it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's huge. It's like, you really have to now, you know, doing the program that you set forth um, and kind of changing my mindset about it, knowing that this is like, and we've talked about this before, postpartum is the rest of your life. So I really need to like lay a strong foundation and look at it like, this is something I'm going to have to be doing forever, basically. So I just better get used to it. <laughs> and I have. It's just awesome. I've worked it into my day. It doesn't have to be hard. Um, and I'm just much more happy for it because now I can start doing the things that I love, which is like doing weightlifting or being active, you know, doing CrossFit. So it's just, I can des- definitely personally attest to that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's all the questions that we we have. Do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, gosh, we I don't think so. We covered a lot. I it was know. good. It's a fun talk. It was so amazing. <laughs> there I go again. So amazing. Um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna miss this one. That's for sure. Yeah. Do you oh, have anything to add, Laura? Um, no, I'm really grateful that Erica came on and, and shared all of this with us. It's such good information and you guys should go find her on the interwebs, which we'll share in a minute and, uh, continue to learn as she continues to put great information out. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun talking to both of you. So Yay. Fun. Um, and on that note, Dr. Bolin, where can people find you if they you know want to connect with you, whether that's social media or website or email, what, what's the best way? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram at birthfit Wisconsin and then same for Facebook. Um, my husband and I also have Cooley health is our business. So we have Instagram at Cooley health and Facebook at Cooley health as well. But if you are, like I said, reach out to a regional director local to you if you're near one, but if you're not and you need help and want to do a consult for sure, go to the birthfit birthfit.com website and set up a core and pelvic floor consult and we can um, get you going in the right direction. Um, email is birthfitwisconsin at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, dropping some serious knowledge bombs. We are so pumped. I hope, I wish we could just put a podcast out every single day so that we could get this information out faster. Um, but we have to pace ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one will probably go out in two weeks. Okay, cool. Wow. So we will definitely let everyone know when that goes live. But again, if you want to stay on Dr. Bolin, um, we'll just tell our, our peeps bye. And again, for everyone listening, r- make sure if you're listening and you like what you're hearing, go to, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, um, and review us if you can. And we're going to include some information about an upcoming giveaway um, here at the end of this podcast as well. So stay yeah, tuned. And you can find us. You can find me at laura.radicalroots on Instagram and jess at jess.holdthespace. Yes, ma'am. And our website's myradicalroots.com and holdthespacewellness.com. Yep. 
and email modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. So whichever way you want to connect is great with us. So anyways, we will see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. So we have been hinting at an awesome giveaway for you guys for a few weeks now, and we are so excited to finally launch it. We've teamed up with some of our all-time favorite companies to bring you a chance at some killer prizes. And the best part is that entering is a breeze. With a couple simple steps, you can win prizes from not one, not two, but three different brands. We'll be giving away a full month's supply of Paleo Valley's Organ Complex, yum, a box of Epic Bison Bacon Cranberry Bars, and a box of Epic Salmon Strips. That sounds amazing. And a week's worth of Chameleon Cold Brew. The Organ Complex was huge for me for fertility preconception, and it's played a large part in my postpartum recovery. The Epic Snacks are perfect for a mom or anyone really, on the go or busy with a newborn. I'm speaking from experience here. And who doesn't love Chameleon Cold Brew? It's the best on the market. All you have to do to enter between now and August 9th is subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave a review. It's as simple as that. Every review is an entry to win. We'll choose and announce the winner on our Wednesday podcast, August 9th. Best of luck.